Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Local Earshot Podcast. We're back. Had a little uh, break there. Of course, I think this week will actually be the break episode, right? I mean, uh-huh. so we went to Vegas. Me, me and my wife and Jonathan took a week to off. Vegas. I, uh, <laughs> I stayed home inside this boring-ass state. That's what well, I Honestly, there wasn't much going on in Vegas, if you want to know the truth about it. <laughs> it's hot as fuck. We got a guest in with us today, uh, Travis Jones with the band Nine Left Dead. Man, how you doing today? Good. Appreciate y'all having us on. Hey, man, I'm I'm glad we made it because, I mean, like I said, I was kind of, I was on vacation when we were texting and I'm like, I don't really, I got limited resources, so I was yeah. kind of wondering if it was going to work out and then <laughs> it, it worked, so you're here. So, hey, that's yeah. awesome, man. Oh, so, for sure. Seeing some of your pictures, too. I guess you was at the dam, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to Hoover Dam. Uh, Did you I'm, get to use the, the Chevy Chase lines? No, but I have a shirt that has one on it. This <laughs> is my yeah. damn shirt. <laughs> no, I'm, I was an electrician by, by trade uh, in a past life. And uh, I don't know. That's just, just super cool to me. Yeah. Takes, oh, yeah. It takes something and you just see how it all stacks up and something that big. It's like, yeah. shit, you know. We, we went through there. That was a long time ago when I went through there. A little younger in my life and it was it was still mind-blowing then i think it's my 20s then and it was still like to see it in real life it's cool it's how, how long ago was that you figure it had to be over 10 years ago or more you should see lake mead yeah, yeah they said it's down 122 feet wow from i think 2009 yeah i was like holy cow and you can see uh, if you get on the outskirts of it uh, towards like henderson headed towards vegas you can see like there was water here Hello. <laughs> well, I'm trying, I have a buzzing. That's what I'm trying to figure out. But oh, I got magnets. Too many magnets somewhere. It's all good. My nah. bad. <laughs> but yeah, you can see where there's there's a basin. There's supposed to there was water there, but uh, I saw pictures where you see like boats and yeah. Lord knows how many mobsters have popped up now. I mean, no kidding, man. Out Maybe there. they find Jimmy Hoffa now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, where are you from, man, and uh, how long has this band been around? Uh, I'm actually from Oklahoma. I've been here my entire life. lived in a small town called Pocasset growing up, then moved to Amber, which is basically a community joined together because their towns are so small. Yeah. Now yeah. I live out in Chickasha, and then most of the guys are from around there. One guy's from Newcastle, the other guy's from the same area as me, and then he moved to Chickasha. And then we've got another guy that's actually out of Shawnee that plays bass for us now. And... uh We've been around a while. Like I actually started this band with the guy who's come back into it, Stephen, um, a long time ago. I don't even know what year it was. <laughs> It'd be probably ninety eight, ninety nine, something okay. like that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, been around it was a while. A while. Yeah. yeah. Um, how? Um, ninety eight, ninety nine. I was, I was in high school, but I remember the Me music too. scene. Um, the new metal thing was kind of the craze. Yeah, um, is that where y'all were born out of that, or your influence is more maybe the it's, generation before that? I don't know. It's so funny. I was listening to one of your your uh, 
other episodes on the web here about a guy talking about how he grew up with a single mom and like what he listened to. But I grew up with parent, both my parents, but my brother listened to the same kind of stuff growing up. So it was so weird. It's like, so the dude's like talking about how he grew up on country. I was like, that's my life right there. <laughs> so it was like Garth Brooks, but it was really weird because we had an uncle that was around all the time that kind of pushed us on to, to get into the rock scene. So it was like Garth Brooks. And then we would listen to some Michael Jackson. And then he started introducing us to like journey and guns and roses. So it was a weird mix of music. All over. Yeah. Uh, my house was kind of divided. And, and I mean, my dad likes rock and roll, but when he's in the car, it's always country and mom opposite. Uh, it's ACDC back in black is one of the first yeah. things I can remember listening to as a kid. But, um, I, th- I don't know. I think that's important to have that. But oh, yeah. on the flip side, like I learned, um, I'm a guitar player as far as like learning country techniques, like the chicken picking, these right. types of things you don't think about if you're approaching from rock. I learned that later in life. Right. And then come to find out, I'm like, well, shit, some of these guys are just as shredders as yeah. the metal guys. And it just sounds, sounds less cause it's a little less distortion. Uh, and it's, it's almost harder to hit those licks right. without the distortion. It really is. It really is. <laughs> People don't realize it cause you know, playing, I mean, just like playing chords, you know, you play chords with distortion, it covers it up. You go and play it on acoustic, you got to really be gotta, clean and smooth. Yeah. That's why it's good to learn on acoustic. Then you move to electric. It's like, this is easy. You know? <laughs> That's funny you say that, too. It's like growing up on rock, I actually got introduced to a bunch of bands through my dad. He listened to old school rock. So I was like, listening to like CCR and stuff like that. And my mom actually introduced us where we got into Meatloaf, which is like one of my hugest influences. Yeah. Love listening to that stuff growing up. But, and it's funny because you really don't realize what you're listening to as a kid. You're just like, oh, you know. And like you go back and listen to it, you're like, why the hell is she letting us listen to that at such a young age? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you know, now I'm thankful for it because it got us introduced into the rock roots, you know. Well, and, and like, wow, that's a, I mean, Meatloaf is, was, uh, R.I.P., uh, kind of his own thing. It's, for it's sure. considered rock, but it's... I mean, it's a whole production, really. I right. Mean, he's got the whole orchestra and everything like that. So when it comes to like that type of thing, who who bled off on you and your influences and stuff like that, you got like a Mount Rushmore or like a top top three. You're a guitar yeah. player mostly, right? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll do, I've actually been the lead singer for a while, so I didn't get to play guitar the first round we were out, but like guitar is what I got into. I actually got into the guitar to get into music because that came from my grandpa, who was a guitarist. But... As far as probably the biggest influences, which, you know, a lot of people hate on them and stuff like that, it was probably Nirvana, which actually led me to Seether, which two of my hugest influences, you know, which that was one of his huge influences was Nirvana. And then a biggest band I probably got into that's kind of, it's weird because you either know them or you don't, even though they're a huge band, which is Rise Against. Like, that's just one yeah. of my hugest influences. They're definitely one of those bands, though. That's yeah. a perfect way to describe yeah. them. You either know them And they're or huge. You don't. And it's crazy. <laughs> you don't realize, and like, people who haven't heard of them, it's like, nah, I've never heard of this band. It's like, it blows my mind to me because, like, they're such, they're huge. You know, they have a huge following, but they kind of have, like, a, more like a cult following. People are about what they're about or they're not, you know? Yeah. And yeah, they, they've, They've had some radio hits too. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, not, yeah. Okay. And, and their radio hits, you know, it's a, a lot of bands. You know, not really their best songs. Right, you know, right. That's that's one thing I was reading this morning. Uh, Pat Benatar, she was like, uh, "I'm not going to sing Hit Me with Your Best Shot anymore because of the gun violence." And I'm like, "You know, you're not singing that anymore because you hated that song for right. the last 35 <laughs> years. You just needed a reason. You got an excuse <laughs> your way out." <laughs> Yeah, and then another one that's a huge hate band is probably Nickelback. Has been one of my one of my bigger influences because it's just I don't care if you hate them or love them or not. The dudes know what they're doing. They're they put so, out rock songs. They're just fun to make fun of. Yeah. They really are. But if you were look at their catalog, 
I think they mostly get the hate they do because they're Canadian. It's not right. really what they're putting out. They got some good songs. I mean, yeah. they really do. But, uh, yeah, the Canadian thing is never a winner for um, American rock fans. I mean... And it's funny, too, because then you look at probably one of the hugest artists out there in the world, and she's Canadian, which is Lennis Morissette. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shania Twain. Yeah. Rush. Justin Bieber. Uh, yeah. Uh, come on. He's, <laughs> you're not wrong, but you're wrong. Uh, I mean... <laughs> He's got the money to prove that for sure. <laughs> so were you, you were in high school and just met up with the guys and and like, hey, let's let's make oh, some more noise or so. Oddly enough, when I was in grade school, is when I started getting the guitar because I had gotten leukemia and I was just oh, in a hospital. Like so, my cousin is weird. It's it's so funny. It's like an old Charlie Brown episode, which is like kind of one of the weird things that pushed me in thinking like I had it. And then they, it took me like a year to figure it out. And by that time I'd like lost use of my arms completely, almost my legs, you know? And then when they figured it out, it was like crazy. And then like kids at that age, you know, they think you're contagious. So they start freaking out. So how, how old were you when this happened? <sighs> I always forget what the age was, but I was in the fifth grade. Oh, wow. So yeah. 10, 11, somewhere yeah, around there. Somewhere around there. Wow. And then, uh, my cousin, you know, which was best, my best friend growing up, he had a guitar and he's like, here, man, like, I know you're bored up here all the time. Here's this. And so that's when I actually started kind of dabbling into it and really never really got like heavy, heavy into it until I got to like about 15. And then I was like, you know, like I'm hammering down on this thing. And then was looking into starting a band. And that's how me and my cousin Steven hooked up, who's back in the band now. Like him and I parted ways for a little bit. Everything ended up kind of getting resolved. And then we hooked back up recently and he's been, he's been back in the band and it was kind of, his mom called my mom and it was like, uh, these, they're, yeah, they're both into music. You know, it was like, yeah, they need to start a band. Like, let's make them get together. It was like, it's like setting up a play date for teenagers, you know? So that's how we started the band is our moms made us. You mom's know? Yep. playing manager there, yep. man. <laughs> it's like, thanks moms now, you know, because it worked out magical. But like at first it was like, yeah, your, your mom called me and told me, or my mom told me that, you know, she talked to your mom and I got to come over and play music with you. I was like, okay, cool. See you in a week or so. <laughs> well, as far as developing into um, where you're at now, I mean, I, I started on the uh, saxophone really. And then I moved to the guitar because I learned that nobody is checking out the saxophone players. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, that, that uh, process of, like, all right, you get your guitar, your basics, and then you start learning the riffs and you start trying to emulate to now you're in a room where it's a creative space and now the pressure's really on. So, like, when did did you naturally take to songwriting or did you, like, learn the guitar first and then, like, now I'm in this situation where I have to perform? Because that's how kind of how it hit me. I'd yeah. never really been in a collaborative effort until I was in it. And it's like, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> no, and that was, it was kind of like, thrust upon us and it was like you know here we're starting this band well, well let's start some writing so when steven came in he's he's a few years older than i am not many but he had already started kind of writing some songs so we started actually taking a lot of his songs where he had wrote because he was just the dude's super talented by that time when he, we first hooked up it was like hey do you have a bass because we'd already had a couple other members which my other buddy was drumming for us at the time and uh steven turns out was actually like a drummer by heart but he could play he can play the piano play the guitar play the bass all that stuff so he'd already wrote a few songs so we just kind of started taking his and kind of adapting them to the style of guitar that i was kind of figuring out and then as we kind of grew into like bigger and bigger it was one of those deals to where we didn't have a singer and steven moved to the drums at that time and now we're like well i was like i'll do it until we find one you know just so whatever which was 
god awful, you know, like because <laughs> singing is the hardest thing to me in a band. I, it's I awful. do not like to sing, even harmonizing. Yeah, I don't I just don't like it? Yeah, and like so, just kind of figured it out as we went. And it was really horrible in the beginning. There's actually like some old stuff out there just to show you how bad it is, you know. But it's kind of weird. It's just over time, like eventually, just kind of figured it out and. uh then, like, I started really getting into writing because I was going through some really dark shit in life, you know? Like, I was still trying to figure out, like, why did I have cancer? Why was I going through all this stuff? Like, you know, it was just, I was in a really dark, dark place. And still, at the same time, I was battling with trying to figure out what I believed in life as far as life in general, religion, nice. and all that stuff. And we started out, actually, me and Steven, as, like, a hardcore Christian man. And we still have both of our own beliefs, but we had a lot of issue because we were playing bars and stuff all the time. And, um, we were getting shunned by our churches because they're like, well, why are you in bars? And, you know, it's like, well, we're just putting our message out there, you know? And it was kind of like a preacher actually ended up saving our life on the deal because it was like that time we were getting so dark and pushing away from everything. We were both in a bad place. And he was kind of like, no, it's exactly where you should be because your message is there. You know, like what good does it do to bring your message to churches where people already know, like take it to bars where people need to hear it. And I was like, preachers blew my mind. Preachers playing 40 chess on your ass there. Yeah, (laughs) and it woke us up and it was, it was really cool. And it, it's kind of funny too, like a, a short little weird story about that. We were, we used to take a song called Big House and mix in the words with an actual Teen Spirit music, you know. And we played it at a place, and one of these people got onto us. They're like, "Yo, can't be playing secular music here at a Christian venue." I was like, "Well, how'd you know it was secular? Because we never sang secular words to it, you know." And they're like, <laughs> uh, I was like, "Yeah, Busted. you know." So it's it's just the route we took in life, and it it kind of pushed us to get more into writing what we write about, you know, which is just kind of life and people going through dark shit because that's what we've gone through so that's what's helped us kind of how we write you know does it um when you do ideas just like a melody pop in or do you like sit down with purpose and a notepad and like okay i'm gonna write a song about x and this is the route we're gonna take it's that that would like be perfectly awesome if i could do that but it's like anytime (laughs) i try to do that like i want to write a song about this it never really works out it's more of like it's really weird like when i write i i feel like i'm a, a damn writer poet in life you know like compared to talking you know like i can write and it's just that's where my magic is so i'll write a a conversation i'm having with somebody you know like something we're talking about real real deep you know and i'm getting a line like oh damn that line right there is the start of a song you know and then like it'll just hit me like a lot of times lately i've been going to like the piano taking one line and a song just comes out you know just kind of losing myself in it and that's typically how it starts just one line and then it brings up this whole idea you know Hmm. that's that's cool because, man, words is something I struggle with. Since doing the podcast, I try to write up notes, and at first I felt so stupid for doing it because I'm like, I'm just going to talk about this shit anyway. Right. So why do I have to write it down? Everybody says you got to write it down. you got to purge your thoughts. So I finally just started making a habit out of it. And, uh, damn, buddy. <laughs> Tight fit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, Honestly, you know, now a year and a half or so into this, it's like that's a that's a good thing to do. I've noticed that even if it's not shit on the show, if it shows up in there just a free thought that popped in there, like I'll cut it and file it somewhere else. And right, like you like I, I bet that sounds good. That has a good something about it, saying yep. or words together or whatever. And I just try to collect those. But then the next challenge is finding um, the right chords, and then you you know. Because you only have twelve to work with, and right, <laughs> you don't want to sound like everybody else. It's funny you say that. Cause like if you if you look through my my notes, it's that's my life right there. If it doesn't get written down on a note, I'm going to forget it. Yep. 
and you know it's usually what happens nine percent of the time. Like think about a good idea, like when you're in the shower, and like as soon as I get out and get dried off, I'm gonna I'm gonna record that or something. Remember it, and they're like, "What the hell oh, was that idea?" You know, that was so, a million dollar idea yeah. right there. So I've gotten to where I document <laughs> everything, and it's it's like you said, it's just something to trigger it. And eventually, like sometimes I'll come back to it a couple of days later. I've had stuff I'll come back to like a year later and be like, "Man, that's a good idea." Like, and then I'll start writing off of it, you know. And it's if I don't write it down though. Pfft, it was something that never happened. <laughs> yeah, that, that's and that's sucks as a musician mm-hmm. too, and it's, that's why I try to tell people when when the ideas are coming, it's almost like I'm an antenna. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm just tuned into whatever is coming through. I just hope I have a guitar in my hand when it right. happens because man, so many good riffs. I swear I could have had could have been a millionaire ten times over, guys. I'm yeah. telling you, <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. And that's and then lately with this new album we're working on. The guy that's actually brought back uh, that came in the band, uh, I say he's been in there a little over a year or more. We had a little bit of writing time where we wrote together, me and him, and then a guy that was drumming with us. And then life got busy, and we we separated on good terms, all three of us. And then our our buddy that was drumming for us at the time, Zach, he had actually got some weird ass type of cancer, Damn, and he ended up passing away. But before he passed away, uh, he'd actually talk with Brad, which is our other guitarist singer. He told him like, dude, you just you need to do what you love. Life's short because he wasn't even he was in his thirties, like mid thirties, you know. And it just happened like it just seemed like it maybe didn't even last a year, you know. It was quick. It sucked, and so that's when Brad and I hooked back up and we just started really hammering down. But he he's actually gotten into writing quite a bit, and now that I I kind of drag him out of his shell because like he writes really good stuff and he's real timid about it. He's like ah, you know, like dude, you just gotta write that shit. I'm telling you, like it's good, you know. So we're kind of sharing the duties on some of this new stuff, which is awesome because I, I like it. Because he gets to take my stuff and put his twist on it, and I get to take his stuff, put my twist on it, and together, like, it's just been magical, especially vocally. Like, we both do more dual vocals than, like, harmony stuff, but it's harmonies, but it's, like, dual singing, you know? Like, he takes lead parts, I take lead parts, and it takes a load off of me, too. So if we play, like, longer shows, you know, like, I'm not playing, singing for 90 minutes, going out and do it again the next night, you right. know? So. Well, is is um is that kind of a new dynamic? Uh, like, a, I guess that's... Really, only a handful of bands do the dual. Right, Allison Chains, I guess, comes to mind with the dual yeah. lead yeah. vocals. Um, that's that's funny. It's, uh, I was literally having a conversation about that this morning, and the person I was talking to, she asked, "Because I was like, is that, that, that a common thing that bands do?" I was like, "No, not no. really." But like when they do it, I was like, "You can think of a few that were really huge." Linkin Park it was yeah. full vocals. Yeah. There's a band out right now that I'm really huge into called Wage War, and they have dual vocals. Guy plays guitar and does. Like basically some of the lead vocals and the other guy I think just sings, you know, which is similar to what Lincoln Park was, you know, where like they had. Well, they, he didn't really play music though; they just kind of sing, and the other guy did more rapping. Rap, stuff. but I mean the, the dual, dual, dual male leads, yeah. yeah. Um, man, yeah, there's not a lot. No. If, if there is a dual lead, it's usually a male female, like your Fleetwood Mac, and there's, right. a, there's a band out now. Oh God damn it, my wife loves them. Can't think of them. She got a female and a male. Uh, I think they came out of the more Christian. Uh, Christian rock world, but they hit mainstream. Um, but Skillet, that's, that's another yeah, band. Skillet, that's yeah, Skillet. Ah, you got me. Yep. All right. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tracy's going to kick my ass if I can't think of this. That's actually the reason I know them because we grew up listening to me and Steven did. Yep. That's actually Steven's favorite band. They've been around forever. A long time. Yes. Because they used to be like a more of a techno style rock band. Uh-huh. They used to tour with a band called Flybanger, and I like them in the like, early, late 90s, early aughts. And I always sell Skillet on tour with them, and I'm like, and Clutch, Clutch yep. was Clutch, in that group, uh, MXPX, um, yeah. Like it was almost like a like a circus group. Right. They, right. All all those bands toured together for years, and and now um, Clutch had a thing about oh 
06, 07, they kind of took off and then skillet here recently. But I was like, when Tracy told me about them, I'm like, they've been around forever. For a long time. <laughs> I mean, long, long time. Um, you guys came up around the same time, late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And the scene was the new metal thing. And, and when it came to constructing like your, your early albums and not really knowing what that process is, and now on the other side of it, been doing it for a while, what are some things that you would tell uh, your younger self maybe going into the studio for the first time? Uh, if you even have tricky. to go to a studio anymore. Yeah, well, we do just... most of our stuff now ourselves, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's gotten now where you can do damn near anything you want yourself because the way stuff is. But Oh, we'll have the analog-digital debate here. In a oh, yeah. I'm saving that one for last. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. The biggest thing I think we used to try to more of mimic what was going on as far as what was in and this and that. And I think the biggest thing that I would have told myself then was just, Hey, go be yourself because anybody can go and mimic a band and sound like them and then come up and then you're just, you're just mimicking that band. Like you go out there and try to do what's yours. And a lot of times you end up with a sound that's not necessarily recreating the will cause it's hard to do, but it's, it's still yours. You know, it's like you were talking about, a couple bands, y'all are actually having some butt rock discussion or something. Oh, butt rock confessions, yeah. man. <laughs> it's like you, you talk about these bands, you know, you hear on the radio and like you hear them, you instantly know it's them. And that's their sound, you know? And I think that's always been like our biggest goal is just to get our sound out there, our tones, you know, and try to do something. When you hear the song come on, you know, it's ours because that's our sound that, you know, we emulate, not trying to mimic someone else's sound, you know? What are some of the, the tools of the trade? Um, like we were just talking, like, um, you know, in the early 2000s, late 90s, you'd have to front a bunch of money, buy uh, yep. studio time. You'd have to pay an engineer, probably a producer, and all uh, other people involved. We'll just say that. And then you make this collection of songs, and you s- might not even get to release that. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's it's is there was a more of a concrete process, I'll say. Whereas now. Uh, again, going back to people with enough time and talent and willing to put the work in on these digital rigs, man, I'm kind of losing the argument of for right. my tube amps. <laughs> I know. And that's, you know, I have one of the coolest tube amps still right now. I have a, a Blue Voodoo half stack. Love the sound. You know, like I'll never be able to sell that because it's so special of a sound, you know, but it's it's just what, you're, you know, we, we talked about a little bit before we started, you know, it's just you can mimic that. You yeah. can mimic that with a digital pedal. The only thing that sucks is if you don't got enough money to where you have two digital pedals and you go and you play and your digital pedals down, then you're kind of up the creek, you know. But the biggest thing to me has been like the load concept of it, you know. Like you're not carrying the weight around. Like yeah. you don't have to haul it crap around. You can you can ride in smaller, pull a smaller trailer, you know. Like take a smaller vehicle if you have to because all your stuff can fit in the trailer you're pulling because you're not carrying all this stuff. But just the digital process itself and recording has made it a lot crazier too because – like we use this amplitude 2.5 to do our guitars. So you're basically going in there with a guitar. It doesn't have to be an expensive guitar even anymore because mm-hmm. you actually have modulations for that where you yeah. can tell the computer, this is what guitar I'm using, whether it is or not. <laughs> and it sounds like that. But the amps, same way. You bring in whatever whatever head you want, whatever cab you want, whatever mics you want. You can pick a room you're in even though you're not, and it's all on the computer. And what's good about it is you save it. It's there. You know, You don't have to... Are right, recording guitars today, but we're not going to get them all done. So how the hell do we have those mics mic'd up on that amp perfectly yeah. to sound like that? You know. So then your tone through an entire album is what you were going for. It's there and it's saved to where you don't have to try to capture that or you know fight the battle of not getting it all done in one day. You know, and that's a big part for me. And even the drums, you know, 
you don't realize it when you're listening to it because producers know what they're doing, which is a big part of it. But 90% or more of the drums you hear out there are digital drums. Mm-hmm. Just studio musicians don't really exist anymore unless you get bands like Foo Fighters, which is actually a big influence on all of us in our band, too. Those guys will go and buy like all the the old tape and stuff up just to do it that way because they're so talented. Slash is known for that too. Yeah, analog and, recording and they're bored, so you know they got the money. If they to do got the money. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tape analog recording was never cheap. Right. It's never been cheap. Right. And I can only imagine it's even more expensive now. Yeah. Now that all that stuff is considered vintage. Well, see, and that's what's funny about vintage concept too. You know, like you're. Don't get me wrong, like, you know, what what was the old freaking thing where you got music from that started all Napster? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you see this, and like the streaming, it's good for people who listen to music. I mean, I'm sure even us listen to stuff and stream on it. We were talking about it earlier, but it's always sucked for the musician part because now you don't really sell your music. You're basically giving it away because you don't make money on it. You make money on people coming to your shows, buying your merch. That's your support, unless you're getting guarantees and stuff like that. But you see that stuff, you know, and it's just, it's kind of like changed into the concept of the way you even are putting music out. But now what's cool about the concerts, people are coming in, they're buying CDs and vinyl records vinyls, again. Vinyls. I've seen a lot of that. It's like, I don't even, and most people probably don't even take them home and listen no. to them. They just want them. I buy them. I, I, yeah. I my mom has a room where she's got them all on the wall and I'll buy them for her. And yeah. Yeah. They're it's, just cool. They're cool to look at. And, and it's like, the it, most expensive medium to press right I mean, but it, there is a market for it in the live venues yeah i mean and it's cool pretty- that's that's awesome because it helps out musicians because it's one of the things people are like buying and you know and like i said it's that's where your money is made is selling your merch and that's just it's cool for us so keep doing it yeah. for sure <laughs> well and it's cool too like you know a cd is i mean cds are cds but a vi- i mean a vinyl thing if you take that to the merch table the band right you have a thing to take home i don't know it's it's Makes you feel more connected, I guess. Yeah, but um, and shit. Um, I was gonna actually kind of segue into that, just uh, from a business side of things. How have you noticed the difference in um, uh, managing or self managing or hiring a guy to to handle all that for you? Like, what are some of the things you've seen change just in the last twenty years or so? Because it's so different. It's so Facebook different. came in after. Well, MySpace came. MySpace. In. Don't forget about MySpace. Yeah, MySpace changed things, <laughs> but then things think, changed, and MySpace didn't, and they right. went away. So yeah, you know. And I, and I think when MySpace came out, it was more of a, a help than it was of a change for the system. Like I think it was just kind of one of those things where. It was the beginning of the idea, and you know, like with any idea, a lot of times it gets abused, and then it changes the concept. Like, it was more of a, like, here, here's a helping hand in what you're doing, because way when you first started out, and that's how we got our start, which is funny, is we would, we recorded three songs, put them on a CD, burn them off ourselves, you know, because it's the cheapest way to do it, and by, you know, you starting out, you don't have money, this is what you do. So we put them on a CD, and then we would take them, and we put a flyer in each of those CDs for the week, few weeks out from the shows we were playing, you know, and so we would go to the venues we knew were rock venues and we put them on cars every freaking night that we could, you know, on weekends. Street that, teams. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that was us. That was us doing that. And that was, that was a fun thing for us because it was also a bonding experience. But that's how we got our first break into playing was one of the owners. She called us in a, it was LaDonna Proctor actually. Love them. Tony and LaDonna. They've helped us out quite a bit. She was like, listen, I'm sick and tired of you putting CDs on my damn car. Just come play here. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, So that's how we got our break into that. And then from there, it was just open door. We got to play at a lot of different venues from just putting in the work. you know. And then now I think it's changed quite a bit because 
if you just get guys that are willing to do the work in, in your band, cause it does, it takes a lot of time and, you know, especially like us, you know, we're still balancing like real life, you know, jobs, yeah. stuff like that. So, but if you do it in your spare time, instead of getting stuck, like scrolling on whatever social media you're looking at, if you get in there and put time in, you can take those tools and put your, your music and your content and just your name out there to thousands of people at the touch of your fingertips, you know, and never even leave your couch. So it's, it sucks a little bit cause it's killed some of the idea of what it was, but at the same time, I think it's also actually like opened a bunch of doors for bands who just don't have money to dump into it. Like, you know, Nickelback and Foo Fires and yeah. stuff like that. Well, that's one thing we, we always kind of talk about on is just trying to navigate it as a marketing tool, but then as it's constantly evolving too, it's, I mean, for it's, sure. it seems like day after day is always, Oh, there's a new button I didn't see before. And they're adding right. this, you know, and it's, it's a lot of it's, kind of just sensory overload for me because yeah i mean i'm not a a data person i can work word processor and that kind of shit but as far as like trying to do any in-depth uh, programming and shit i'm not that's, yeah. and that's honestly why i'm probably turned off the digital rigs because there's a lot to them right but once you figure out how the the web the chain works and all that they're pretty easy it's just <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's funny you say that too because i'm the same i was in the same boat and then like uh I was creating our website because, like, I did that through an actual app that, or kind of like an app or like a, a design site that you know that we use, which was like Wix. And so, like, went in and designed this whole thing. So it's, it's kind of like a step by step process, but it's like you got to have this picture here, and it's got to be this size. I'm like, well, how the hell? Like, just turn this picture itself, you know? <laughs> so, like, you got to figure all this weird stuff. And I couldn't probably go back and redo it without relearning stuff at the same time. But, like, you, you kind of have to. Like, you have to grow and adapt and learn how to do all the stuff that all the cool young kids are doing, I guess. <laughs> all the kids. <laughs> yeah. All the cool kids. Yeah, the yeah. software is all automatically change a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I know because I'm, I'm building a social media website right now. So, I mean, but yeah, that's the way it goes. Like it, it will give you the, the pixel sizes and then you have to go into other software right. like Photoshop or whatever and go into the size changing and change it. And so I have to do that for even every episode for the podcast to make the covers work and all that. Right. Like I have to, I have to do all that editing myself on softwares, but that's, and that's kind of what I've learned how to do quite a bit because, you know, with the, with the content as far as like Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok now, which is a big thing. You you have to you're basically making like flyers and yeah. videos and yeah. reels, which that's been the hardest thing because it's like it's intimidating, you know. Like you got to do a live video. Like a lot of times I sit in my studio and I'm like I got to put myself up for this, like you know, like because it's it's nerve wracking, you know. You get a little nervous when you're not used to doing that stuff. And forever, it it took us forever to start doing those. And I was like, dude, if we don't start doing this, like we're gonna die out because it's just that's where the algorithms are, you know. Yeah. Like, that's where uh, that. like before started making stupid videos, yeah, like because they were like, yeah, we. We have to do something, so right. we just started making dumb videos on TikTok. Like. Well, and that's that's actually uh, one of the episodes I was listening to was was Bradley on the way up here. But that's a band that I hooked up with, and that was a conversation that we had. Is like it's what actually kind of taught him a bunch of that stuff whenever mm-hmm. they were coming into it. You know, me and me and him sat down and uh, with a couple with one of their other members. You know, and we had just long conversations like well, what are you doing you know and i was like well it's basically this you know so he's a smart kid dude they, they it, it's funny he's talking about the age thing you know it's like yeah you wouldn't know that he's that young because he uh-huh. actually listens learns and he, they put a lot of work into it but it's it's cool because at the time we were having a little bit of issues with some of the stuff we weren't doing 
and their success kind of started taking off and like what's happening i was like well they're basically listening to the stuff that we've been trying to plug in and y'all aren't doing it you know so i had to get my own band's ass about doing it a couple of them a couple of the guys me and brad because i got a brad in my band like we were hammering down on this stuff and doing it and so it's like you know it's it sucks because it's back to the whole concept of like you're about as strong as your weakest link when it comes to stuff so it's like you know their guys are doing this you guys gotta start doing this and we're gonna you know, stay up where we're at with it, you know? So, so how has it changed? Is it just like a marketing tool for you at this point or do you hundred percent? Yeah. That's really kind of where it stays. And I try to stay, I kind of try to stay out of like getting stuck in what it's so funny. It's like one of the marketing things I learned was from uh healthcare stuff that I was doing for a little bit. Cause like I was real big into it and want to kind of try it out, you know, get to like that being a day job didn't really work out, but I learned a ton of stuff for my friends, you know? And it was like, they talk about like not getting stuck in the scroll hole or whatever they call it. You know, I was like, you know, it's funny because you can get on there and waste hours just oh, like, so. And you don't even know. You look it up and you're like, oh shit, what? I'm in a fog. So and, it, yeah. Oh. It's it's a tool. Like I get on there some days just to catch up with some people that I actually like, see what they're doing, some bands, some actual friends and stuff. But for the most part, I get on there, I do my post and then like I get on, check my notifications and I make sure that I stay on there and respond to people because for me, it is the connection part. Like I love like building not only our fan base but it's more of like our friend base because it's people we love like we hang out with at shows like we don't sit back and hide and backstage like we play we come out and like we're drinking beers with these people you know like hanging out and they're they're our friends you know they're our fans also but like we love the connection and being actual intimate with them you know like friends so that's been a big part of it you know we get on there and interact and just stay plugged into it but it is it's a it's a tools all it is all of them are you know and it helps introduce new people because we meet new people at shows they go on there and then they talk to us and then they're kind of like a lot of them get kind of mind blown that we are actually interacting with them it's like you know like no we told you we we're going to talk to you like we're not dicks you know <laughs> well one of the, that's one of the things i actually um i've kind of noticed uh especially trying to get back in the groove of going to concerts and just being around a uh, large groups of people on the backside of covid is uh i'm I don't know. I I, I, I kind of like to keep to myself, even in a crowd. I right. just I don't know. It's it's hard for me to to be that social butterfly anymore. I used yeah. to be that way, but I'm just not anymore. And and trying to start a we're doing the podcast, which is way more public than than the thirteenth step stuff is. That's more just like a traditional business. But it's becoming alarmingly clear that it's just like being in a band you have to have a face you have to have a, sure. you have to have you're selling you right and and unfortunately in order to do that you got to put yourself out there <laughs> it's a it's a constant battle with me man I'm, you sound too much like me it's I'm like trying it's, man. it's like funny it's like you know i come home and like what i want to do is just you know be in my home like not around <laughs> yeah. people not talk to people but it's it's a little different like you you got to turn that mode on when you go play a show because you know and i love being around people when i'm at a show because that's they're there to support me and sometimes you know they're not there for us but they meet us and then they become about us and it's you know like i love the interaction the part of it but you know like i'm the same way like sometimes i just want to go lock myself in my studio and like <laughs> i don't want to know anybody leave me alone that's why so, I, that's why i was telling him is that you know since we've been doing the show and he went on vacation i was like yeah the whole time you're gone i didn't i didn't go to a single show i was like because i i just i feel burned out like I've been going to so many live shows and, and I'm like, and I never thought I would ever say that. Cause I, I used to live like I worked at live nation. I've, I've lived around this stuff, but yeah, burn out on all anything, the time. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it, it's a new show every night right now out, out here in Oklahoma city. So you have to pick and choose what you want to do and then For people sure. invite, invite you out. And 
I get invited to shows from like all these different bands now, and I'm like, I'm like, well, that one's in Tulsa. I can't go to that one. Yeah, I, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, don't got the money for that. <laughs> like, it's, it's cool, but it's same. It's it's like overwhelming. It is, and and a lot of it too is uh, now we have a lot of friends that are in active bands. When we started this thing, COVID, as far as I could tell, most players that came in were like, I don't know what's going to happen. No, and it, we it don't was, know if we're uh, still a band, but here we are today, kind of thing. Yeah, and um, another band out of California, I like uh, Them Evils. They've changed up their whole business model, I guess. Yeah, the way they release music, right, has has changed, and I've actually seen it across the the whole traditional. We're gonna put out an album. We're gonna tour the oh, shit dude, out of that album, 100%. and then and then we're gonna yep. hit the studio again. It doesn't really it jive doesn't. that way anymore. So a big band that we're into that we've played a few shows with, um, Adelaide's Way. In 2011, when when the band was actually signed under Warner Brother, we were out touring pretty heavy with Hinder, you know, because that's how we got our big break was through Cody. And uh, Adelaide His Way was a band that we hooked up with, so like I kind of met them before. They were really cool guys, and Rick, the lead singer, you know, like him and I kind of hit it off because we were both sports-oriented, talked a bunch. Well, they came back, and we caught them up in uh, Altus, and we're actually getting ready to go back to Altus play show here soon. But they... uh. Rick actually sat down with me and Brad, and we sat there probably two and a half hours before the show and just talked. And he sat there and just started teaching us all this marketing stuff because him and Trevor had actually taken a marketing class on how to learn how to market your band in today's society the way it is, you know. So he sat there, and that was his big deal. is like content, dude. He's like, don't release albums. Don't do that kind of stuff. Just pop songs out and keep it fresh because I'm bad about it too. If I find a song I like, I'll listen to it probably 30 times yep. in a two-week span, and I'll forget out. about it, yep. you know. Burn out on it. But – the only thing it's a little bit different with us right now is we we haven't put out an album in a long while since 2011 album you know so we want to put the album out there because we want to put a bunch of songs out at once to basically put out there what we're about what we're sounding like now and kind of just to give everybody all these songs that we're putting out there so that can kind of be out there and then we have a bunch of songs coming up after that that we're just going to do in that process or we just start releasing every few months because that is that's the way to do it nowadays it seems like that's what uh, that's certainly what i noticed them doing and i think after seeing that i've just noticed it in other bands but it seems like the it's almost like a quarterly every yep. three months drop a single and we'll play some shows and then at the end of the year we'll press an ep or about an album and and release right. that as its own thing like right. a lot of bands aren't even touring behind an album they're not they've toured through the year and then they release the album at the end of the year and they're doing like smaller spurt tours yeah. it seems like instead yeah. of doing that whole year-long thing Cross like, the we're gonna country. go out for a few months come back you know yeah. And it's, I think it's cool because you're getting to see like the band you love, but you're getting to see them a few times and then you're getting to see them with different bands. And it's kind of, it's funny. They're basically playing what the radio used to be, which was putting out new music, you know, cause <laughs> yeah. now they don't do that. And now instead what's happening is you're seeing these bands tour with these bands that have names and that's how you're getting introduced to new music. But before then you're like, say, like Gemini syndrome, never heard of those guys before they were coming with Adelita's way and looked them up badass band you know now they're out there blowing it up you know but it's never would have heard of them if i didn't know that they were coming with them that's why i looked them up you know and there's um same thing with that wage war you know seeing them with another band that was playing kingdom collapse another band that's out there right now never heard of them but they were out with hinder and a bunch of different other bands and you know that's to me that's how you're getting introduced to music they were, nowadays. Uh, they were the, one of the very first bands that played uh louder than life um like uh in kentucky and it was early day when they played and so like you know it's like the whole stadium area is just empty 
whenever you when you're coming up on it in the early in the morning, you know, the band playing. I'm like, man, people are missing this band. Right. This band's badass. Yeah. like, and they're good. They're really good. Well, and you know, on that note, uh, what's your feeling on the explosion of festivals? I, I don't like it. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Not, I'm not about it. I liked it at first, and now I'm like, I'm. I I'm, think it's overloading and. I think it's overloading the market, personally. I think it's overloading the market and the bands that are trying to make right. a buck. You right. know, it's like overexposure. Too much. They're, they're, I guess that's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, not overexposure like the too much of the band. It's overexposure like people are burned out of going to a field for four days. Right. Back to back to back to back. I, I agree with that, <laughs> like 100%. And it's, I, I think they're kind of... They're doing that, and it's it's kind of like what you're talking about, where they're bringing in all these smaller bands. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really think it's benefiting them as much because there's too many festivals. And now, yeah. like, instead of people are like, well, this was the only festival that was going to be around for a few months, I'll go to it. They're like, nah, hell, I can go to one of these 15 other ones that are closer, you know, that have a few more of the other bands I want to see, you know. So I'm not really big into it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd go play a few of them, but... I, I just think they're overloading the festivals. That's what I've been thinking about a long time since I've been seeing these festivals. Like, man, this is weird. It's too I, many. It's it's like I get something like Rockville, Lollapalooza, Rocklahoma, these mm-hmm. massive things. But when every other every weekend it's it's a three day festival, it's like I can't. I'm not even going to try to. Right. Well, it's like the first uh, Rockstar Energy Fest I saw in Denver. There was a uh, there was like tw- like. 15 or 20 stages on that festival. Yeah. Like, they were like going through like the, all these different stages, all this area. It was like probably one of the craziest ones I ever did. Then Denver, they stopped doing that after that, but they said that they, they couldn't take over all the roads and everything because they took them over for a certain amount of days. People were complaining because they couldn't get to their houses and shit. Damn. But, but I mean, but yeah, just tons of stages. I saw a ton of bands. I mean, like on that tour, but there was only like five or six major bands and it was all in one day. Yeah. So you're like walking around in between bands listening to like yeah. every band under the sun. Well, then know? it's a fucking blur then yeah. too. It's like, right. fuck, I didn't get to, s- I saw everything but didn't see anything. Yeah, it's like, you know? oh, I, I saw the Butcher Babies, <laughs> but I don't remember the other band that I saw. I don't even remember the right. name. Like, yeah, and it's kind of weird too. Is like there's there's few festivals now here in Oklahoma that, you know, I think it's cool because they're at least spanned out, but it's, it's kind of the same concept. It's like you look at Cat Fest and it's like, Eh, you know, like there's really two good bands on it, but at the same time, it's like, do I want to waste some money on going right. to that one, or do I want to go out of state and check out like five or ten more bands at the same time? You know, so I think it's I think it's hurting a lot of the festivals. You know, yeah. I mean, well, that's how I feel about Rockahoma. I mean, because because I thought about going to Louder Life again this year, and I, and I was like looking at the price. I'm like, well, three hundred dollars sleep in my Jeep and get to see and send you know see tons of bands, mm-hmm. or go to Rockahoma and spend the same amount of money stay in Oklahoma. And be able to see, like, have a shower, maybe yeah. like half, yeah, and, and have, yeah, be able to like actually drive home if I wanted to, but, uh, but I mean, but yeah, just seeing like maybe half that, you know, right? But yeah, and that's there's another festival that, that happened this last year, the uh, Honeymoon Rock Fest. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually hopefully that thing keeps panning out because they they by far did probably the best festival thing I've ever been to as far as experience for being fans of the music, being in a band. And just the overall experience, you know, like hopefully they keep succeeding. And they brought some really good bands. I know it was like older style bands, but it didn't it didn't blow up as much as it should have because it was just I I guess the advertising had some issues where people just didn't hear about it, which is weird because I heard about it a lot. And I they, heard about they put that, a lot yeah. of money into it, and so that one I think's cool. But you know, it's the same thing. You know, like just it really depends on where it goes and how people will respond to it. You know, and if they keep oversaturating 
everywhere with all these festivals. You I'm, know? I'm curious because we went to Norman Music Fest this year, and uh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Three days, and it. I mean, Norman Music Fest is always known as more your like uh, local bands. Yeah, and they had some some that they brought in from like Texas around the surrounding states, but logistically, I loved it. The, they set it up perfect. It's it was oh couple square blocks and it was a, a triangle shape so they had a uh, two stages at each end of main street and then off to the side they had two stages there so literally as one band was ending there'd be another one firing up yeah. and you could access it right it was easy to get over there so i've really liked that the only thing is again they saturated it with who the fuck are these bands who who are these right. people most of them didn't even have a banner or a drum a, a logo yeah and so eh, that's kind of shitty especially if i'm trying to check out right new bands i want to know who the fuck they are <laughs> see that's and that's what i think was so awesome about how they did the honeymoon fest because it was both stages were up front they're right next to each other when this band ended they fired up that next stage and the other band went going and, and so they had these other bands back lines so they just swap them in so mm-hmm. and it was cool because to me like it was just you know they had the the sound in the middle so you just kind of had to little literally just like barely walk around and you're right there so people that were there and actually heard of it you know they they loved it they I just think it needs a little more time to grow, and hopefully it blows into something big because it was they do it right out there, you know. Cool, man. Yeah, I I, I definitely I want to check out a festival, but I I don't want to check out every festival. No, <laughs> and the, the prices the prices are what's blowing my mind on them. You know, like I just looked at some just look at them because I was curious about the prices. I was like, oh, yeah. you know, we're, we got all this weird shit going on. We're in recession, damn near, you know, or we basically are, you know. It's like. How the hell is somebody going to justify spending five hundred to a thousand dollars to go to a three day festival? You know, like that's that's a lot of money. That's yeah. a month worth of and, bills and food for some people. You and, know, and uh, yeah, and well, even now Ticketmaster's pulling their shit again. I heard all that fire back on the, uh, the Bruce fees. Springsteen stuff that's happening. They're selling it, reselling it, and profiting twice. I'm like, uh, oh, that's. Y- y'all gave the gatekeepers that power. Yeah. So this- that and then the fees. It's funny you still pay handling fees for <laughs> tickets that don't exist. Like you're not handling shit. It's all digital. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> you're and, not and processing. Once on the future too. It's uh. It's gonna go all like Ethereum block tables and chains and yeah. Then you'll be able to sell them as like NFTs and like all sorts of weird technical shit. But I mean, the the biggest issue that I ever ran into whenever I worked at Live Nation was if you were doing ticket taking, you'd be sitting there and you go scan somebody's ticket. And you'd be like, um, yeah, this doesn't work. Damn. And they'd be like, they're like, what do you mean it doesn't work? I fucking bought it from this guy. Blah blah. Oh well, I mean that's your first problem. Right. You, you did what? And they, they're like, oh, I bought it from some guy. And I'm like. Yeah, he probably sold it to by by twenty other people. The first person that got in the door probably got in just fine, but uh, all the rest of you didn't. Well, that's uh, exactly and what Ticketmaster does because yeah. it, it, it's a scannable code now. Right. So they just give them the code and access to the account, and so then they they go to log in and scan it, and it doesn't work. And it's like, yeah, it's because it's already been used. But my nephew was just telling me about that the other day where they bought tickets online from a guy, which I mean, don't do. His dad did it or something. It's like, yeah, we got there and the tickets didn't work. It's like, son of a bitch. He's like, yeah, we paid the same price for tickets that weren't good, and we were in the nosebleed section. Mm. You know, they just got them from a scalper. Then and I was like, yeah, it's like it's. I don't know the answer to that as far as how you fix it, but well, and that, and that's where the blockchain does do it. Yeah, it, it attaches a code to the actual item, so like it can't be sold or resold or reused. It, it always has a person attached, so you always see your name on it. 
Yeah. And, and if and and if it, and if you go to scan that, it's going to work for you, but no one else. See, and, that's and it's weird. Like I, I did a lot of study on that stuff because I've got some money where I put invested in it, some stuff like that because of you know the the mm-hmm. Dogecoin, Ethereum, all that stuff. Yeah. So I learned a lot about the blockchains, and it'd be cool to see it take off. But I think that's not to dive into this because it's not a fun topic. But that's that's I think what the government's been fighting itself because they don't want to back be able to people to be able to actually like trace where all our damn money's going on taxes and stuff. Well, they've never oh, wanted yeah. that. No, no, <laughs> no, no one wants, nobody that. wants that. It's like it's, that, that's what blows my mind anyways. It's like, that's we, why I always think it's funny that they were trying to track a uh, cash app and stuff. I'm like, I'm like, that's dumb. Like yeah. that's such low amounts of money. I'm like, you, you should be tracking other shit. We should be tracking the $50 billion they're sending to other countries where our country's struggling to feed their own people right now. Instead of worrying about, you know, the bullshit they do, but, that's a whole different topic right there. That's a don't look at me while I do this stuff. Let's keep fighting amongst Rules ourselves. For thee, but none for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, is, um, if you were to uh, introduce the people to, I know when's your album? You're working on an album right now, right? Yeah, we're we're hammering down on it. We had a little bit of hiccups, just kind of funny from some of this digital stuff where we had to relearn <laughs> it and uh, had some issues with actually getting some of my software and stuff set up. You know, so I had to I had to relearn all that stuff because i'd gotten out of it because i was you know we were we were going places and recording you know so now we've kind of really been diving back into learning that we wanted it out at the beginning of the summer it didn't really pan out that well i'm thinking for sure we're probably gonna be releasing three of the songs off of it probably here in the next few weeks is okay. our goal and then after that we're hoping to have everything done and out by hopefully august at the latest but like i said it just kind of depends we're we're doing our best. We're just, you know, we struggle with doing live stuff too. So, hey, man, that's that's that is the thing that is a difficult shift to make. Is uh, at least for me was uh, how you know. And there's Brad, the dad, and he has a right. job, and he has this nine to f- this this eight hour this constructed thing, and then I got laid off in February, and I was my wife was like, "Why don't you try to actually do this?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool, yeah." And then you actually try. You're like, "Oh shit! I have to. This is a an adjustment. This yeah. is quite a big adjustment." <laughs> but it's it's like it's crazy because we work like where I work at. We work long hours, so like you know, get home. So I, go, I work out of Texas, live in Oklahoma, you know. So I drive a couple hours just to be home because I hate staying in motels unless it's more of music related, you know. So like by the time I get home, you know, go take a shower, eat dinner. I'm like, you know, I can go work in the studio, but I'm going to completely miss sleeping the night, you know? So it's, there's a balance in there, but then I get a few days off. Like actually that's what I'm going to be doing the rest of the weekend, just getting in there and hammer down, which it's not really work. It's, it's, it's enjoyable and stuff, but it's still time consuming, right. you know? So right. it is a balance. It's a lot of balance. Well, let's play a song off the one last, uh, was it August that came out last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's play that one. What was it called? Uh, beautiful, beautiful world. Beautiful world. Yeah.
Beautiful World. That was released last year? Yeah. That's a good song, man. Thank you, man. What was the um, inspiration for that one? It's so funny. Uh, I actually wrote that literally when I was 16. It didn't have any inspiration. It was just kind of like, I need to write a song, so I'm going to write one. And I was thinking, you know, it'd be cool. It'd probably be about a chick, you know? So, <laughs> And then it, it actually developed a bigger, huge meaning for me and Brad later on whenever the guy that was drumming with us, Zach, he had passed away, and it was kind of more of the concept of, you know, appreciate what you are experiencing in life because it's not there very long, you know? That's that's uh, one, that is a funny thing, whether songs you wrote or just love, how the meaning of them will change mm-hmm. through your life. It's, I mean, some, some song, I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. like, you know, Guns N' Roses is still pretty much like, all right, let's crack some whiskey and right. have some fucking drinks, you know? There's some songs that always maintain that. Right. But, that's That's kind of like, I'm real big on not telling people what I write songs about until they've had the chance to experience it, because I like people to develop their own meanings from it. Like, you know, it just because it means this for me, I'm okay with it meaning something different for you, you know? So it's it's really weird about that song, because you hear it, and it, it pretty much rings in your ears, like, man, it's kind of like a, a dude writing a song about his chick, you know? And then, like, later on, you know, like, people are like, well, what's, what's this about? You know, I was like, well, nothing really when I wrote it much, but now, basically, every time I, I sing it, I think about my buddy that passed away, you know? Because, like, all I think about is the moments I wish we still had, you know? And yeah. that's... It is. It's tricky with a song, you know, because they they develop meanings over time. Even if they change for you, they they have a lot of meaning for us. So, yeah, man, it's uh, that's awesome, and uh, that's a hell of a of a tribute, you know, in a way. Um, for sure. Let's see here. So you got some upcoming dates. You got some pretty uh, pretty uh, good sized gigs here, man. Yeah. Uh, Texas Hippie Coalition. I've seen those guys a dozen really times. Really good. Probably dudes. two of those guys are, that are in that band now are from our. Our town there in Chiche. Oh yeah, the Radio Brothers. Yep, oh, really man. good dudes. I know that I, um, I can't never remember his name. The big dude that leads the band. Uh, I saw him open for Motley Crue, I believe. Yeah, it was a long time ago, probably about ten years ago. And he got up there, and all these people were. I mean, it's Motley Crue crowd, so they're kind of judgy already. You right. Know? He just gets up there. He's like, I'm going to do my thing and then make way for the real motherfucking rock stars out here. And uh, <laughs> yeah. he won the crowd over when he said that. They're yeah. like, okay, yeah, he's in. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's funny. It's like, that's one of those bands, like, you, you talk to some people and they're like, yeah, I'm not really big in that band. I was like, they've obviously been doing something right because those dudes have been around since before, like, we started in the scene and they've been doing it forever, you know, and to do it for a living. You know? I, so they, first, they're doing something right. I think I first heard about them playing the Outlaws Clubhouse. Yeah. It's kind of been their, or was their home place for Oklahoma. And uh, ever since then, I've always heard them. I've been in a place and they were playing. Like, oh, these guys, you know, they're they're just one of those bands. Yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll see them on a bill. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that's at uh, that's at the Red River Music Hall in Altus. Yep. That's on August 12th. That's here a couple weeks. Yep. That's a, our good friends own that, that place. So if you're anywhere near it, definitely come out to it. It's a good time. They do things right there. Very cool. The uh, very next day, uh, Trauma Fest. That's at the Time Out Tavern in Loyola, Kansas. Yep. Uh, is that Speaking of fests, is that... Uh, as it's built, or is that just something they call it? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna see. We've never played this one. It's actually one of the guys I knew that was from around here. 
Wayne that, that sets that up. And uh, they said they have a huge following for that festival, like a few thousand people that come out to it every year. And they've got a bunch of different styles involved in it. To me, when I heard it, I was like, man, this is definitely a metal fest, you know. But, like, it's I've listened to a few of the bands on there. Some of them are metal. Some of them are kind of more like our rock. And so I think it's going to be killer. I think it's be a good time. Very cool, man. And uh, August 26th, uh, the Diamond Ballroom. I'm going to try to make this gig with uh, Tommy Vex. Yeah. My wife, she was Bad Wolves. Yeah, freak and and a good band, um, really good band. I liked. Uh, I'm a Doc Coyle fan. Yeah, more than Tommy Vexed. Uh, I've been following that guy forever. So um, September 16th with Saliva at the Pub House in Chickasha. Saliva's a band I've seen a million Man, times. They're killer. Uh, I've seen them at that uh, honeymoon fest actually, and like you know, I was huge into them before when they had their original lead yeah. singer. Went and watched them with the new singer Bobby. Still mind blowing. That dude puts on an amazing show, and you just you don't really even notice you know other than the fact you're missing like this huge superstar singer that everybody's known but they still deliver they're a badass band uh josie scott uh that was the first rock concert i was ever front row center on and yeah. that that dude put on a show yeah. but i i've only seen him once with the uh, quote-unquote new guy i think he's actually been in the band longer right than he's been the original. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah they they deliver i, I mean he might not be a a fan of their genre, but they get up there and let the freak flag fly. You can't deny For that. Sure. Um, and the last we got October 1st at rock the equinox at uh, Lake John Wells in Stigler, Oklahoma. Yeah. Is that a festival type deal? Yeah. It's a, it's a two day festival, I believe. And they, it's the same thing, you know, I guess the, the town kind of lets them have run of the lake out there and they just, they do it right. I don't think they have any kind of fees. I think they just set this thing up and they're out there partying all weekend. Like before is at that one too. Yeah. And a few other, um, I think Kira's there, too. Kira's there the same day we are. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so there's a few awesome bands out there on that one. Shout out to Like Before. Yeah, he invited me out to the show tonight. I can't make it, but I'm going to try to do the the one with Tommy Vexed. Yeah, that one's going to um, be a killer show. I'm excited about that one. I'm actually I'm, I'm pretty big to, into some of the stuff that he's into. I just try to keep my opinions out of the band stuff, you know, so I know that's what they had their falling out wow. about was their band, but I just the dude's music he's putting out killer like he's and he's got a badass voice he's super impressive voice i'm actually excited about seeing that show yeah um i I, yeah if i don't seek out tickets for that my wife is gonna (laughs) beat that ass (laughs) well um i think that about wraps it up man travis thank you so much for coming out man absolutely Um, and uh we will definitely Send us whatever you got, developments and stuff. Definitely. And, uh, maybe we can check get in with you. Get some of that new music when we uh, get it out, too. Yeah. We'll have you back on and, and follow up here, I don't know, maybe towards the end of the year, start of next year, see how things For are sure. developing on the on the nine left dead front. Appreciate you guys having us on again. All right. Thank you, man. Jonathan, tell the people how they can help us out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh, local Earshot podcast, uh, we are a value for value podcast. Uh, what that means is that we run on three tenants. It's time, talent, and treasure. Uh, we value everybody's time for listening. There's many different ways to listen to our podcast. Uh, you can uh, listen to on any podcast platform, uh, main ones like Spotify, stuff like that. But if you really want to help us out, uh, go download the Fountain.fm app. It's a podcast app that actually will pay you to actually listen to uh, episodes on there. It's it's not that much money. It's like a few cents, but it's all crypto. Uh, it generates it through you listening. So um, so what that does is is that you can uh, you can like send us money. Just by listening to the episode, uh, and then on there also you can do these things called boostograms. It's where you uh, you can message us, and so for five hundred sats, which is like a like less than a couple cents, uh, you can send us messages, and then we can read them on air um, and and stuff like that. Uh, and then 
Uh, as for talent, if you are a music artist or you work inside the music industry of Oklahoma or beyond, uh, then you can hit me up at john at thelocalearshot.com or you can hit up Brad at our Instagram page, Local Earshot, and, uh, and then we can get contact with you, set up the show times and everything. And then uh, if you want to donate to the show, you can go over to thelocalearshot.com slash donate. Um, on there, you'll see some tabs that we take crypto, we take Cash App, Ventmo, PayPal, pretty much all the payment systems. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> we'll see you guys. <laughs> Nine Left Dead, check them out. Thanks, man. Yep. Yep.